Hello and welcome to the Holistic Healing Project with me, Dr. Lauren MacDonald. Each week I will be sitting down with a range of experts, thought leaders and other inspiring humans to explore how we can all bring more healing into our lives. I believe we all have the capacity to self-heal, to experience more joy, greater meaning and deeper connection. I really hope these conversations inspire and support you on your own journey back to wholeness. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Holistic Healing Project. In this week's episode, I explore the practice of breathwork with Anthony Abagnino. Anthony is a teacher, breathwork practitioner, motivational speaker, and the founder of Alchemy of Breath. In this episode, we explore Anthony's personal journey to breathwork, including the survival and transformation of his own serious illness, how breathwork supports healing on a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level, and how it can really help people move through trauma and grief. We also explore breathwork as a tool to elevate consciousness and the importance of conscious communities. Anthony also provides some simple breathing techniques that you can try today. As always, if you can rate and review, that is really helpful to help me spread the word of self-healing and empowerment with the world. And just a final note to say, breathwork is not recommended for people with certain conditions, so things like severe asthma, epilepsy or heart problems. And pregnant women should also seek advice before trying this practice. If you are totally new to breathwork, I recommend joining a local class in the first instance so you can be properly guided and supported through the practice. And then you can go ahead and maybe start your own practice or jump online and join Anthony as part of his online Breathe the World program. I really hope you enjoy this conversation and let's dive in. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me on the Holistic Healing Project today. I'm honoured. I'm delighted. Honestly, thank you. So for anyone who doesn't know you and has no idea what breathwork is and has never heard of Alchemy of Breath, would you mind just by explaining who you are and really what's led you to setting up your amazing organisation? Yeah, um, Well, I am passionate about breathwork and I'm passionate about introducing it in all the conditions that we could use it in. It's not just one way of breathing. There are so many different ways of breathing. So my passion is to bring it to the world. And Alchemy of Breath um, started with me just doing facilitation sessions, but then I got kind of pulled into teaching people how to do it and was reluctant to do so. But it's now grown into, I think, one of the biggest breathwork training academies in the world. And we have a massive outreach because we pioneered online breathwork, which is such a great way to reach people all over the world. And how did you come to breathwork yourself? Well, it started when I was 10. And that was my first experience with breathwork. When a young boy, I was at boarding school, and the young boy held a bag in front of my face, and he had me breathe 20 times and then held my chest from behind and let me down to the ground very gently. And I saw heaven. You know, I was so struck by the immensity of the experience. I think he was doing it to tease me, but I I was so enchanted with it, I asked him to do it again. And so it became, I remember it became a whole trend at this. I was only eight or 10 or something, but it became a fad that we all enjoyed doing. So that was really my first awareness. And I think what it gave me was the understanding that 
you know, as a youngster, you're especially at boarding school, it's not such a comfortable place to be. And I saw something bigger. I saw something bigger that told me that I didn't have to be overwhelmed by all of this, that there was a sense of oneness that I experienced. And I mean, I wouldn't have described it that way as a 10 year old, but it, it really felt so, oh gosh, supportive in such a lonely place that I felt that I'd found a new friend. And then I kept on bumping into the breath as I got older. I was 18 when I had my first child and I'd had to coach my wife with a system of breath for natural childbirth at the time that was called Le Mans Breathwork. So we had to study every week and we had to practice every night and I had to measure her breath and watch it and coach her and, uh, during the actual event itself. And then when we got to the event, it all happened and it was just a wonderful experience. And, uh, you know, they say inspire comes from the word bring in spirit and how beautiful it was during that birth to be totally connected to the miracle to that aspect of it that is beyond all the nurses and doctors flying around and epidurals and all the things that some may happen for her to be so beautifully connected to spirit as she gave birth and what a wonderful he's 47 years old now and what a wonderful human being he's become mm, yeah wow i love that yeah. so to go from the kind of hospital setting clinical setting using breath with your wife during that experience to setting up alchemy of breath there's obviously been more of a journey yeah there were many explorations with breath work that um included pranayama i studied in my early 20s i studied yoga started to study yoga and practice pranayama and then explored sufi breathing practices and chanting breathing practices and then began to invent my own i think what what really got me every time i visited the breath i was fascinated by it but it was never really my profession it was just this series of incidents and i had no idea that they would all come together into what i'm doing now but every time i met it it was under different circumstances and i loved it and what finally made the switch for me which perhaps like for you was a life-threatening illness that no one could diagnose and um i was in severe pain and I couldn't, I was in bed and I'd been in bed for about three months or so and just kind of wasting away. I couldn't eat, I couldn't really move. Um, and I learned that all that was left was the pain and the breath because I couldn't cough or laugh or anything. I learned to breathe so softly that my body wouldn't kind of notice. So it wouldn't get stimulated into the spasms of, of discomfort. As I did that, I started to examine the pain in a different way. And this was after weeks of going, why me? Why, you know, why is it? Why, what is it? What's the message I'm supposed to get? And there were no answers coming. So I just ended up breathing. And this went on for about, I suppose, 11 or 12 days that I would just breathe into the pain. And then I understood something happened. And I understood that in the center of that discomfort, there was actually something quite ecstatic and it was all about surrendering it was all about just allowing it to be there instead of trying to push it away or to battle with it or to fight it so that was a turning point for me and that's become one of the foundation stones of my work with alchemy of breath is that if i can get people to feel again then we can 
begin to take responsibility for our feelings and then we can begin to step into a creative role again instead of being the sufferers of circumstance and at the will of others we can begin to become our own powerhouse of of creativity and that's one of the aspects of the alchemy of breath that i love yeah that sounds so wonderful and so powerful the reason i found breath work this was about 18 months ago now I'd been in a road traffic accident and I was actually in um, a wheelchair for about five or six months um, while I was visiting Australia and having, you know, practiced yoga the whole way through when I'd had cancer, that had been a real support for me. Obviously, I couldn't practice the physical practice of yoga while I was sat on the sofa, you know, not really able to move that much at all. And I don't know how I came across your organisation. I, I must have just mm. gone down an internet rabbit hole one day and came across the alchemy of breath and specifically your Sunday Breathe the World. And it was just mm. the best thing I could have found while I was there in pain, kind of physical pain, but also, you know, dealing with a lot of mental and emotional stuff as well and feeling really isolated and alone. So finding your organisation was just wonderful. I mean, do you mind if we start talking about your Breathe the World Sunday sessions? Because Please. they, yeah, they are just absolutely incredible. Are you still running them every week? Are they still something that's... I, I do, yeah. I run them every week faithfully. It's the high point of my week. We're actually going to be changing the name shortly, but for uh, still now, it's called Breathe the World. We're going to change it to Breakthrough Breathwork because that's what seems to happen so many Sundays. There are so many people that come out of the experience transformed. And this is where you bring together, it's an open invitation, isn't it, for anybody in the world to log on via Zoom and essentially you lead them through an hour-long breathwork. Yeah, it's actually 30-minute breathwork, but, but the session, they should, people should allow an hour for it. And uh, yes, it's completely open, it's completely free, and uh, there are no strings. People are just welcome to come as many times as they wish. And it's a family. It's, uh, you know... When 100 or 150 people breathe together, there's something magical that happens in terms of the friendships that are born, the intimacy, the sharing of the breath is one of the deepest experiences that we could possibly have. So instead of forgetting about it all the time, we actually come together and practice it consciously. It is, yeah. In a world where the internet is so disconnecting, it is just such a lovely place to come. And you just feel, like you said, it is a family. And I love that you encourage people to share at the end if they want to, how it made them feel and what they experienced. So it's just that a real closeness that you develop with people all around the world. Yeah, I love it. I've Mm. got got friends all over the world and they're all friends with each other too. And I I think we've now breathed well over 150,000 people this way. And there's no plane shame doing it either. Nobody has to travel. We can just all connect and, and uh, breathe some sense into the world. I've just started doing some surveys now in these breathworks and finding extraordinary results when you ask people to measure their own well-being on a scale of 1 to 10 or something before and after or anxiety and some other things that we suffer from. And we're getting just tremendous results People going from a 3 to a 10 or from a 7 to a 12 on their own scale of measurement. So people are really uh, able to use breath in a positive way. It's wonderful. And we don't just do that breath. We do 30 other types of breath work, but that's the one we use for our outreach. So I don't want everybody to think it's just about a spiritual journey. It's really about um, confronting our emotions and being able to be grand enough to 
have intimacy with them rather than hiding from them. We can address stress or anxiety, or if we feel listless, we can get energy. Uh, if we want to go to sleep, there's a breath work. If we want to be equanimous, there's another breath work. If we want to really calm down, there's another breath work. So there are all kinds to be discovered. And it really does affect you on a physical, mental, emotional and spiritual level, doesn't it? It kind of, it does penetrate all those levels. It really does. It, it presses all of the buttons. One of the magical qualities is that it always goes to where it needs to go. I often encourage people to have an intention and sometimes on the Sunday sessions I, um, I, I invite people to answer a question, to reflect on a question and that's all wonderful. And it, when we have a realization intellectually, there's nothing better really than breathing in order to bring it into the body and to really get it get it on a, an experiential level instead of a theoretical or intellectual one. For anyone who still is a bit unsure, I mean, we're talking about the word breath work and breathing. Mm. And for anyone who has no idea still what we're talking about, do you mind breaking it down to what exactly you do in a session with people? Yeah, what we do is, it's called a conscious connected breath, and we do it through the mouth. We recommend doing it through the mouth, especially for beginners. And the reason for that is because it's a little less comfortable, so it calls for a bit more awareness, and we're not likely just to fade away or drop off or something like that. That's one reason. Another reason is because we get more air more quickly, and when we connect the breath, in other words, there's no pause at the bottom of the exhale or at the top of the inhale. Something happens. We then begin to um, elevate the oxygen levels in the blood and blood starts to move around a lot more. It, all the lobes of the brain get more activated and we begin to perceive things differently. There's an addition of something to the mix that we normally use to perceive with. And it's quite mystical in a way, um, but it's very real. It's very, very real on every level. Like you said, the body gets oxygenated. So sometimes if you have a physical ailment or a physical pain, uh, you might find that that will transform into something completely differently during a breath work. People who have a cold or a cough will, if they'll just persist and breathe, they might find that they come out of it much more quickly as a result of doing it. There have been experiments in um, intensive care wards for using breath practices also for people who are recovering from lung operations, and they say it's over twice as quick a journey to get out of the uh, intensive care unit if they do use breath practices. So psychologically, it gives us this sense of vastness, a different way of perceiving in old ways. So if we have an issue or something that's troubling us, or if we feel creatively blocked, a breath session is more than likely to change all of that. And then in terms of a more spiritual journey, I know that breath work's being talked about in terms of kind of increasing self-awareness and helping to elevate consciousness as well. How do you think that, that plays into it? Or how do you think that works? We're so used to not wanting to be with the way we feel. So we take pills or we watch movies or we become addicted to something else. We go shopping, whatever it might be. 
what I found is that by really going towards the middle of the emotion or the physical sensation, there is a portal that we pass through. And it's like our perception all of a sudden becomes 360 degrees. We're able to see it in ways that we weren't able to see before. And I do a lot of work with the Psychedelic Society in London. We do a lot of breathworks with them. In fact, I have one coming later this month. Um, and it's a wonderful way to be able to explore the realms that we might normally need psychotropics or psychoactives to understand. I have so many people who've been on plant medicine journeys who come to Breathworks and say, oh my God, I don't need anything. It's all here anyway. And so there's a divine paradox here. Everything we need is right under our nose. And it's so much more powerful than people understand. We could talk about it all day long, but really the only way to fully get it is to breathe it. And so people have some extraordinary journeys into the other, into what we don't know. And the best way I've found to get people to let go of what they do know is to investigate their feelings. Last Sunday, I had something happen with a young lady who said, look, I've been breathing for a year and I, I don't feel anything. And I said, well, that's really interesting to me. What, what's your experience? What happens for you? And she said, well, I start, I start like something might come and then, I, and then I start to get frightened, so I stop it. And so I said, well, I just, I just want to acknowledge you because you are feeling, you're feeling fear. And the invitation is for you to actually go towards it and not let it keep controlling in your life. So how would it look for you to be able to become the master of that relationship? She started to breathe differently and, as a result, had a huge experience. So, for me, the gateway is about feeling. The first breath we ever take is enormous. It includes everything. It's completely unconditional. It's just this open grasp for life. And then, one day, we're going to come to the last one, and it's going to be letting go of everything, all the stories and all the bills and all the mental stuff, all the hopes, everything has to transform in that last breath. And it seems to me, as we do this practice more and more, we understand more that the breath is the bridge between the two. And each cycle of inhale and exhale is practicing, it's practicing life and death. And we know it's one of the most detoxing things we can do. We know breathing is the quickest way that you can actually burn calories and lose weight. And we know that 70% of our toxins are coming out through our breath. So when you think of that on a psychic level, what is it we can let go of? And if we clear out the room, if we clear out all the clutter that we've allowed to be stored into our psychic house, what will a fresh breath bring in in its stead? There's just this wondrous sense of, limitless possibility and that's what breath works about you know letting go of all the old stuff that we already know and trusting having the courage to just trust that what will come in its place will be rewarding and it's beyond belief it's really really lovely to hear it in that way when we tune into our breath in a typical person in a day-to-day -day life, we're all quite shallow breathers, aren't we? You know, you look around and you very rarely see someone really 
kind of being mindful and taking stock of their breath. I know I do it all the time, especially if I become a bit stressed or busy. I'll actually get to a point where I'll notice, oh, I'm barely breathing, you know, I'm not tuning into my breath. So we have the the practice that maybe we come to a breathwork class or maybe even we have a daily Mm. breathwork practice. It's almost bringing it off the mat, so to speak, into our daily lives or we're walking around. How can we just make ourselves tune into the breath a bit more on a day-to-day basis? Well, a regular practice is a great way to become more intimate with the breath. There are a couple of really simple breath practices that are very penetrative and become habitual quite quickly. And I would say one of those is the coherence breath, which is a simple breath that you do through your nose. And you count five seconds in and five seconds out. And this was a breath that was explored by the HeartMath Institute in California for many years before it became well known. And um, it's a go-to breath. So if at any time you feel flustered or out of sorts, or if at any time you're in a queue and you've got nothing to do, or you're waiting in the bank, or you're driving your car, or whatever it is, it's a safe breath just to practice breathing in through your nose to a count of five and breathing out for a count of five. And so after three or four days, it becomes embedded enough that whenever you feel any sense of something odd happening and you want to come back to balance again, you go back to the coherence breath. But if you can maintain it for three weeks, a daily practice, once in the morning, once at night, and once somewhere in the middle of the day, after about three weeks, it becomes your come from breath. You just find yourself doing it. So that's a practice that I really recommend for people to try. But the wonderful thing about the breath is that it's it's like this gauge. It's showing how you feel all the time. So what would it look like whenever we feel easy and relaxed or whenever we feel tense and upset that we begin to notice how we're breathing? And just that alone as an exploration, how many times in a day can you notice how you're breathing? because this is telling you how you are. And the wonderful thing about the breath is that we can reverse manipulate a lot of symptoms or a lot of conditions by playing with the symptom, which is the breath. So if I feel panicked and upset, I'm going to be close to a short huff and puff hyperventilating breath. And if I do a coherence breath or if I do a congruence breath, which is a breath work that I use a lot, where I breathe into the count of four and I extend my exhale just as long as I can. I usually start with six or seven and then go up to nine and ten and up to 15 or 20. I'm going to be activating my vagus nerve, which is my well-being nerve, and I'm naturally going to come to peace. Likewise, if we feel stalled and stuck and listless and no energy, low energy, just three minutes, 27 breaths of the breath that we do on Sundays, and you'll be vibrant and alive and ready to rock, you know. So we can, there's just a, a, there's a breath for every moment of the day, and it's begging for us to become intimate with it. It's the biggest gift that we never received, and it's still there waiting for us to open the package. So it's a choice. It's a choice. Mm. But it does start with noticing how you're breathing in different conditions. Just listening to you now, I've had the chance to really tune into my own breath. 
and you know you've probably been speaking for about a minute and already I can feel myself I've just dropped dropped down a little bit I'm feeling yeah. a little bit easier a little bit calmer so yeah, yeah just that one minute then just bringing my attention to my breath is really really powerful do you mind if we dive in a little bit to how breath work can help people with things like trauma and grief because I know that these it's really a kind of somatic practice isn't it as well getting people to come back yeah. into their body would you yeah. mind exploring that a little bit yeah there's a great man called peter levine who does somatic exercise um, work and he has done tremendous work with trauma so i have high regard for him there's another man called bessel van der kolk who's done a lot of research into trauma as well and the breath is particularly useful for trauma because we lost it when we were traumatized. So something happened in that moment of the impact of the event itself. There was a freeze or a fight or flight, but usually a freeze, which meant that we stopped breathing. And in that moment, something becomes embodied into our cellular structure. It's no longer just a mental reaction of the surge of hormones and chemicals that come through uh, from the brain, but also there's an inaction. And what we do with breath is we're able to, in an impersonal way, find release through the body. So again, if there was an emotional incident like an abuse or an accident that might have happened to somebody, I wouldn't necessarily need them to re remember that accident or revisit the level of trauma. But there are physical exercises we could do before a breath work that would help them discharge the trauma that's been held in the body for all that time. So in terms of the physical damage of the trauma, it can be released with breath work. But here's the deal, because trauma is so pervasive that our old understanding that we can muscle up to it and just get stronger so it doesn't hurt us and stay strong in the face of trauma isn't actually true. Every time that our brain thinks the same instant is going to occur again, it kicks out all the chemicals all over again. So the body actually, it actually exacerbates the tr sense of trauma. It actually makes it worse. Here's an example. I remember once driving my two children to school uh, one morning in Italy. And as I was driving, I was going about 40 miles an hour or so down this road. And then all of a sudden, this car came out on the right-hand side. And I had to swerve to miss it. And it would have been fine if I was on my own. But having my kids in the car made it a huge instant for me. I stopped afterwards and thought, oh, my God, I could have, they could have been killed. You know, something terrible could have happened to them. And ever since then, if someone comes out on the right-hand side when I'm driving, I have an involuntary action. My body, my, my hand will turn the wheel to the left, and I'll make that same body action that I used to at the time. And it's uncontrollable, or it has been for up till, you know, a few years ago. For about three decades, I was always doing that. So it's an involuntary return to the trauma that occurs so I also work with people with a process that I've developed over the last five years called The Bridge, which is to create access to the part of ourselves that got isolated and fragmented at the time of the trauma. What we seek to do is to disidentify, and this happens if one is experiencing a sense of overwhelm with anything, we tend to assume that it's 
us, it's happening to me, it's happening to all of me. But what I've discovered with my work is that there was once a time this happened and someone got left behind in that moment. Someone got hurt and left behind. And this plays out in today's world, like if I, for example, blame my parents for sending me to boarding school as a youngster. As a seven-year-old, it hurt a lot. I was just like abandoned. I, I felt a sense of abandonment that I lived with for my whole life. And I blamed my parents for many, you know, for 20 or 30 years, I resented them for what they did to me, for leaving me in that place. But what I understood was that the only person that can actually do something about this is me. So the bridge process is about helping you to go back to the time before you were traumatized and to rescue the person that was left there. So now I have no reason to blame my parents. I actually take care of me. I can't expect them to take care of me. I can't blame a government. I get to take care of me. So instead of externalizing the problems that we face in life, we get to move back into that empowered role of the creator again. Mm, and taking responsibility without self-blame or blaming others as well. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. I'm I'm studying at the moment with Gabor Mate on his Compassionate Inquiry, oh. and it's yeah. very similar. There's a lot of parallels. It's that with trauma, because so often it comes from a place in, within childhood, a childhood experience, mm. and it's really revisiting that with the client, but also using the breath and getting them to come back into their body because so often mm. we dissociate don't we when we've had a trauma and it's it's that coming back into yourself and really sitting with those feelings and going yeah. on, on an inquiry and getting curious rather than yeah it's that fear that so often stops us doing that yeah and that takes a lot of support and strength one of the problems of these fragmented parts of ourselves that get abandoned and left behind these incidents that we've suffered, they don't really communicate with each other. They just sit there in isolation and misery. But they do have enormous control of the way we behave and the way we interface with the world because we're using operating systems that are so outdated that, you know, the way I coped with an incident when I was seven is not the way I'm going to cope with the world now. It's just not going to work. But we keep trying, we keep going back and trying again and again. So defragmenting these parts of the self and bringing them back into wholeness is a very important journey. Mm. I love you mentioned the word wholeness because that's really for me what this idea of healing is, is mm. this return to wholeness. Yeah. So obviously on a much more macro level, we've been talking about the individual. But right now it just feels like we've got so much pain and suffering in our world as a collective. Mm. Do you feel things are getting better? Are people becoming more conscious and becoming more empowered? Or It's really difficult when you look around and you just see all this pain and suffering. It's so, so overwhelming sometimes. You don't know what to do to help yourself, to help your neighbour, to help the world at large. Have you got any thoughts on that at all? Well, yeah, I do, of course. And who, who doesn't, who isn't, who isn't perpetually shocked by the extremes, it just seems to get stronger and stronger and begs belief, it really does, that it could become so omnipotent and powerful. And I truly believe, and this is the way that we train our facilitators for alchemy of breath, is that the world is a reflection of our inner world. The outer world is a reflection of our inner world. We know that in simple terms, um, and we accept that in simple terms. But 
really the only way for that change to be made is a total absolute commitment to that inner world and to heal that. If I can heal my inner garden, then I can teach by who I've become, not by books I write or the things that I say. And you know that quality of presence that some people have. You know, they can walk into a room and people gravitate towards them or you find them attractive. Uh, and that's because they're, they're committed to doing their inner work. They're committed to attending to the inner wounds. And I, I do see in the, in the exponential growth of my own work that this is a force to be reckoned with. And it's a force of beauty and joy and love. And it's more powerful perhaps as long as we live in a dualistic world, there'll always be these two things that balance each other. Yet we do get to make a conscious choice. You know, which would we rather do? Do we want to be buffeted and at the end of the tail of the dog uh, and getting whipped around? Or do we want to take a stand for what we feel to be true and to be a beacon for those that seek a way and I think your own experience with your illness and with your accident and your resilience is what makes you a teacher, nothing else. It's the transformation of your greatest challenge, meeting that greatest challenge and transforming victimhood into a noble suffering. So even when we do get beaten down, that we can transform it into something noble. And that means we learn from it. We greet it as something that's happened for us and not to us. And we're using it always as material to regenerate and be reborn inside with each breath. So we can show those hundreds of thousands of people who are just confused and overwhelmed by it all that there is another way. And you spoke of that earlier with cancer, that your hope is that people can get that hope as a result of your own journey. And I think that's just so exemplary of this wave that's happening right now. And also, there's a wave to conscious community. And that's what's happening on the internet. And we're seeing these communities grow and foster each other and help each other. And it's just a whole new sense of spirit coming into the world. And for the troubles that the internet causes, there are some blessings too. And now we're, uh, both my wife and I, we just acquired a, a retreat center here in Italy and where it's under an empty village and we're now got some very grand plans, which, you know, are hopes and prayers really, but uh, that a conscious community will grow there. We're actually fending off overwhelming response from our own followings because it's what people want. It's really what we want. We want to ground this vision into something that can move the world on a realistic and practical level, not just up here in the head or in the heart, but also a grounded vision. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your kind words, Anthony, as well. I really, really appreciate that. Oh. And what came to mind was that beautiful Viktor Frankl quote, and I'm not going to be able to remember it word for word, but when everything else is going on around you, the only thing you can really control is your choice. You have a choice in every moment. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I paraphrased yeah. phrase that very badly, but it was the idea that he, when he was in Auschwitz, yeah. everything had been taken from him, his family had been killed, and yet he had this awareness that in any moment you have a conscious choice. You can decide how you're going yeah. to react, whether it's going yeah. to be with victimhood or whether you're going to let this experience help you grow and empower you. So I yeah. definitely always have that at the back of my mind when 
when when doing this work and going down this path because it's definitely been a journey for me as well I think when you're in it when you're in a dark experience yeah. it's difficult sometimes to see the light at the end of the tunnel but it is yeah lovely to have got to this point and yeah be, being able to have conversations with people like yeah. you and sharing them with with the world is just a gift and congratulations on the retreat space as well oh, I have yeah. I'm one well, of your followers fortunate. who are very eager to come along as soon as it's up and running yeah we're doing some very discreet posts we don't want to get overrun so we're just pacing them a little bit as we're doing town planning and all kinds of things in the background so it's a very exciting project and it's and it's like you said it's that need for community and to a physical space as well you know like you said the internet can be used so well you obviously do it with your breathe the yeah. world sunday yeah. sessions but to actually come together in community and be seen and really have those deeper connections there's just nothing else like it no that's so true and actually it's a teacher to us uh, also that the the telepathic quality that exists when we breathe together that the distance is a, a human notion the physical distance or the screen and all of those things just become notions they're just illusions in a way when you feel that sense of connection do you know what i had a really beautiful experience in one of your breathe the world sessions where i just started crying and crying it was mm. such a release I was actually crying because I was so grateful. I'd, it was the first day I'd been out on my crutches and we'd done a proper trip into nature and I hadn't been spent the day stuck in the house. And suddenly I was just, you know, crying so much because of this connection to my breath. And I just thought, wow, to have been able to facilitate my release and letting go through the screen, you'd, you'd think, you know, it is so important to be able to be there with each other I know sometimes when you're in breath work you can then get more hands-on yeah. and really kind of touch and support the person but I still felt I had a really really deep experience just by being guided by your voice and the music yeah. so thank you for that because I wouldn't have got there otherwise yeah I welcome your thanks and I offer them up immediately because we're just playing with what we were given it's our time to play with this and to explore it and your example is is classic that we get permission we get permission to really stop being contained by other people's stories and we get to be as big as we really are when we breathe it's just a wonderful transcendent experience of there's no cage or no no prison that can contain us when we choose to breathe consciously mm, that's so beautiful thank you so was there anything else you wanted to share finally? Did you have anything else, any wisdom or closing remarks? Well, when I interview people, I always ask them, what's the message that you would like people to receive? What's, what would be the most important message you could, you could give? And I think that um, especially for people who are challenged right now by all of what's happening, that there is a story, there's a human story, and that human story... Um, was named so well by Joseph Campbell some 50 or 60 years ago when he named it the hero's journey or the shero's journey. And it's about departure from what we know and embracing what we don't and meeting monsters out there or in there inside us too that we need to reckon with. We need to slay them or saddle them it's often saddling, not fighting. It's often in the surrender and the understanding and the softness that we can master that relationship with our demons. 
and then the journey continues. We get to learn these things. We get to find these treasures that inspire us and give us a sense of purpose in life. And in order for the journey to be complete, we then get to bring those home again. So next time that anyone feels a sense of overwhelm, do know that there's something else that wants to happen. It's not personal. It's just part of our growth. It's a cycle that keeps happening all the time, and there are many of them happening at the same time too. So to find peace in those moments that are most distressing, just know that there's something that wants to happen next. And what would it take to notice what it's going to be? Don't just watch a TV program and skip it. Don't just push the feeling away. Just please take some breaths and be with it and notice what there might be to find. Mm, Such great advice. Thank you. And just finally, I ask all of my guests, what does holistic healing mean to you? Bringing our parts into wholeness. Mm. So for me, concepts like duality are very highfalutin. We can't feel a real sense of oneness with the world unless we can feel a sense of oneness within ourselves first. So those parts of our psyche that need to be loved, the parts that we condemn, the guilty ones, the shameful ones, the ones that lie in the shadows, what would it take for us to love those two unconditionally? Anthony, thank you so much. It has been such a joy to speak with you. For anyone who wants to connect with you, find you, where can people get hold of you? You can come to alchemyofbreath.com. You'll find out everything that we do. And you can write to me anytime too at anthony at alchemyofbreath.com. I'd be happy to correspond. I have boundless passion for this work and, and my arms are as open, wider than the world. Mm. That's, why the, that's why the passion is to breathe the whole world. And it just fills me with so much hope when I cross paths with people like you that, you know, for all of the darkness in the world, there are such bright, shining lights. So I just appreciate you so much and thank you for the work that you do. Yeah, thank you, dear Lauren, for making this happen and uh, changing people's lives just by being who you are. Thank you so much. It's been so lovely to chat with you. Yeah, bless you. Thank you so much. And thank you to all your crew for, for listening to what's happened here tonight. For those of you who'd like to take a deeper dive into your healing and transformation, I would love to invite you to join me on retreat in Bali this April. The Reconnection Retreat is being held in Ubud between the 18th and the 24th of April, and we still have a few spaces left. So if you're feeling a bit stuck, maybe going through a life transition, or maybe you just want to reconnect with your true essence and come back alive, then this retreat might be exactly what you're looking for. The reconnection is a journey from disconnected to reconnected, nourished and aligned. Through yoga, meditation, breathwork, movement and other unique workshops, trips and ceremonies, we help guide you back to yourself. After all, the relationship with yourself is the most important one you will ever have. So many of us are disconnected and we just need that time and space to find ourselves, really tap into what's true for us and then we can go back out into the world and shine our truest expression. So if you're interested, please get in touch. You can head on over to my website at drlaurenmcdonald.com forward slash retreat for all the retreat details. And otherwise, just send me a message either via Instagram or an email and I can get back to you. I really hope you can join us in Bali in April. Mm-hmm.
Please remember that whilst I am a qualified medical doctor, I am not your medical doctor. So whilst we often talk about health and well-being and we give out tools and tips and sometimes discuss topics that are a little bit fringe or alternative, this is very much for information only. It is not individual medical advice. So please, if you have any health concerns, make sure you go and see your own practitioner.